0: Hello, this is Anna from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 14th of December. India recorded 5,784 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, the lowest in 571 days, taking its overall tally of cases to over 3.47 crore. The death toll shot up to 4,75,888, with 252 more fatalities reported. Do note that these figures are widely believed to be undercounts. Delhi reported four new cases of Omicron today, taking the total number of cases in the national capital to six. Of the six cases, Delhi's first patient, who is a 37-year-old man, was discharged from the Lok Nayak Jaya Prakash Narayan Hospital today. The man, a resident of Ranchi, had travelled from Tanzania to Doha and from there to Delhi on a Qatar Airways flight on 2nd of December. According to PTI, he stayed in Johannesburg in South Africa for a week and had mild symptoms. Currently, 35 COVID-positive patients and three suspected cases have been admitted to LNJP hospital in Delhi. Additionally, three new cases of Omicron were reported in India yesterday, two in Maharashtra, one each in Lathur and Pune, and one in Gujarat, Surat, taking the total tally of the new coronavirus variant in the country to 45 With this, the number of Omicron cases in Maharashtra rose to 20 and in Gujarat to 4. The other states to have reported the new variant are Rajasthan, Karnataka, Kerala and Andhra Pradesh and Union Territory Chandigarh. Meanwhile, Bengaluru police yesterday arrested four people who allegedly helped a South African national obtain a fake COVID-19 negative certificate to facilitate his departure. The 66-year-old who works for a pharmaceutical firm tested positive on arrival on 20th of November. He was supposed to be quarantined at the Shangri-La Hotel for 14 days but left for South Africa on 27th of November after showing a COVID-negative report. His samples were later found to be infected with the Omicron variant on 2nd of December. On the global front, COVID-19 has infected over 270 million people, claiming the lives of over 5.31 million, according to Johns Hopkins University. The United Kingdom reported the first death due to the new Omicron variant of the coronavirus. The news was confirmed by UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson on Monday. It was not immediately clear whether the infection happened to be the cause of death or was incidental. Meanwhile, the Canadian city of Kingston decided to cap the gatherings to a maximum of five people as the Omicron variant is spreading across the country. Kingston is one of the many regions in Ontario that have taken to announcing new measures for public health. However, community spread of Omicron has been confirmed in Kingston, which makes it crucial for the city to take stricter measures. The restriction would be in place till at least 20th of December. Besides, California has also been witnessing a rise in cases and has therefore brought back the mask mandate so that cases can be prevented from spreading, especially with the holidays around the corner. The Supreme Court today allowed the Defence Ministry's appeal to broaden the Char Dham Highway to fulfil national security objectives. According to the Indian Express, the grant was given despite escalating tensions with China near the line of actual control. A bench of justices D.Y. Chandrachur, Surya Kant, and Vikram Nath ruled, and I quote, we allow the application by the Defence Ministry for double lane highways for the three strategic highways, unquote. Besides, it also constituted an oversight committee that will directly report to the court. The Apex Court had ordered the Ministry of Road Transport and Highways to follow its 2018 circular on the width of roads in Hilly terrain in the execution of the Char Dham Road project on 8th of September 2020. For highways, the 2018 rules call for a 5.5 metre wide tarred road. The Ministry of Defence stated that the prescribed width was insufficient to meet the security concerns and hence urged the court to modify it to 10 metres. Observing that the court did not find any malified intention behind the proposal, it added that the court, and I quote, in exercising judicial review cannot second-guess the army's criteria, unquote. The court also took cognizance of the petitioner's environmental concerns, NGO citizens for green doon, and alluded to the court-appointed High Powered Committee's conclusion that the government failed to follow best practices in some areas during the construction. According to the World Meteorological Organization, India lost more than $70 million in 2020 in natural calamities linked to climate change, one year before PM Modi's speech at COP26, which some saw as watering down of climate action ambitions. Will policies in India work in favour of those on the brink of climate change crisis? Noman Siddiqui explored the issue through the Himalayan state of Uttarakhand and the impact of development. You can watch this ground report on our website newslaundry.com or on our YouTube channel. The report is titled "Will Indian Policies Help Those on the Brink of Climate Crisis?" The Rajya Sabha was adjourned until 2 p.m. today after opposition members marched into the house's well and chanted slogans asking for the 12 suspended Rajya Sabha MPs to be reinstated. According to the Indian Express even though house chairperson M Venkaiah Naidu assured members that MP suspensions would be lifted if they expressed contrition for their acts the MPs continued to shout slogans such as quote unquote we want justice following a meeting today the opposition parties resolved that their members of the Lok Sabha and the Rajya Sabha will march from Gandhi statue to Vijay Chowk in support of the suspended MPs Citing their unruly behaviour during the monsoon session in August, the MPs were suspended from the entire winter session of Parliament. These include six from the Congress, two each from the Trinamool Congress and the Shiv Sena, and one each from the CPI and the CPIM. Meanwhile, Union Minister Jitendra Singh is likely to introduce two bills in the Rajya Sabha to prolong the terms of the directors of the Central Bureau of Investigation and the Enforcement Directorate to a maximum of five years from the current two years. According to a Bloomberg report published yesterday, Israel's spyware giant NSO Group is considering closing down its unit Pegasus or possibly selling the company itself due to impending debt defaults. The corporation is allegedly in talks with a number of investment funds about refinancing or selling the company in order to service its debts. Citing a source, Bloomberg reported that two US-based fund companies are vying for control of the company and have considered seizing control and liquidating Pegasus. According to the report, the Pegasus unit accounts for almost half of NSO's income, therefore its closure could reduce the company's worth. Listeners, at News Laundry, we have reported extensively on the Pegasus snooping scandal. You can check all our reports under the Pegasus section on our website newslaundry.com. And while you are there, you can check out our recent dispatch pertaining to the farmer protest which saw its culmination this month. In this report, my colleagues Nidhi and Shivangi write about caste dimensions playing a vital role in the protest. They write that behind the simple slogan of Kisan Mazdoor Ekta Zindabad, which is long Live farmer-worker unity, that reverberated through the protests, have existed the deep fault lines of caste. Several Dalit farmers and members of Zameen Prapti Sangharsh Committee told them that the slogan is applicable only within the boundaries of the protest site. Back in their villages, there is no such thing called Ekta or solidarity between the Kisan and the Mazdoor. But listeners, this is a gift story implying that only News Laundry subscribers can access it. The reason we keep certain stories behind the paywall is because reports such as these need time, resources and money. And as a reader-supported organization which needs your help to thrive, your one subscription can make the difference. So we urge you to keep the spirit of independent journalism alive and support us in bringing the stories that matter. Head on to newslaundry.com and click that red subscribe button on the top right-hand corner on the screen. Our lowest subscription starts at Rs 300 a month only. On the second day of his two-day visit to his parliamentary constituency, Prime Minister Narendra Modi attended a meeting with Chief Ministers of States ruled by the Bharatiya Janata Party in Varanasi, Uttar Pradesh. During the meeting, the Chief Ministers gave a presentation on good governance to PM Modi, according to ANI. The meeting also included BJP National President J.P. Nadda, Secretary of the Organisation and some office bearers from the party's UP and Kashi area divisions. The chief ministers, together with their deputies and other senior ministers, are set to visit Kashi Vishwana temple later. According to ANI, the chief ministers of BJP ruled states would also visit Ayodhya on 15th of December for Lord Rama's darshan. PM Modi inaugurated Phase 1 of the newly completed Kashi-Vishwanath Corridor on the first day of his tour yesterday, which cost about 3.39 crore. A magnitude 7.3 underwater earthquake struck off the coast of Indonesia's Flores Island on Tuesday, triggering tsunami warnings from the country's meteorological service. According to the US Geological Survey, the quake struck at a depth of 18.5 kilometers or 11.5 miles under the sea, 112 kilometers or 74 miles north of Momir, which is the second largest town on the island in East Nusa Tenggara province. According to National Disaster Mitigation Agency spokesperson Abdul Muhari, residents in the vicinity felt the earthquake severely. People were seen fleeing away from buildings that rocked from the collision on television news. Muhari said that there is no information on damage yet. However, the Quick Reaction team is working to gather the information. According to Hindu, because of its location on the Ring of Fire, an arc of volcanoes and fault lines that arcs the Pacific Indonesia, a huge archipelago of 270 million people, is frequently plagued by earthquakes, volcanic eruptions and tsunamis. In January, a magnitude 6.2 earthquake struck West Sulawesi province, killing at least 105 people and injuring almost 6,500. There have been no reports of injuries or property damage as of yet. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.